0: Welcome back to the Are You My podcast. Ange and I are really excited. It's been a little while since we've done our last recording, and we have Galen here today to share her story around adoption and discovery, and we've already kind of been talking with her a little bit, but we're really excited to share her story today with you. And
1: Galen, Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, Great to see you. We know Galen way back from different avenues in our life. So we know her well, but now we're getting to kind of unpack her story a little bit more. And so Galen, we just want to hear, you know, give us kind of an insight to who you are and your story.
1: Okay. Okay. I'll try and make it brief because <laughs> it's a long story. Um, so I was adopted in Tucson in the 60s. Um, my parents had been married six years, and they um, weren't able to have children, so they adopted me, and then my brother, and then my sister, um, and then when I was 10, they had a biological son, which was a surprise to everybody, um, especially, I think, my dad, um, and so we um, had this family growing up, we know about our adoption, my parents talked about it openly, we had books about, you know, you were so special, we wanted you, and all that, so... Um, it, they were very open considering the time there were relatives in the Midwest that were very upset that my mother sent out uh, an announcement for my adoption that said, I wasn't expected. I was selected. And they were just like, Oh, no, no, we don't talk about that. And my mom said, I'm just happy. I want to tell the world. So, um, it was always, um, very open to us. It wasn't a secret at all. Um, again, we were always told we were special and that was kind of the kind of a common thing for the era, um, but you know, they were closed adoptions, So there was no way to get additional information and people would ask me growing up, do you wanna know your real mom or your real dad? And I said, well, this is my real mom, my real dad. Um, but I was curious to know why I was going up for adoption. And so, um, but there wasn't much to do about that at that point, you know, unless you wanted to go through that very complicated process of opening records and all that, and that was really difficult to do so. Um, When I was about 30, my brother, one of my half brothers found me, he was looking for me after a mother died and kind of knew about my existence, but um, wasn't sure. And they had come from Minneapolis, she lived out here for a year. uh, During that time, she gave birth to me. So um, when they were out here for another reason, he started checking in with the different adoption agencies and figured out where I was from. And so uh, my parents got a letter that week that said, hey, there's someone from Galen's birth family looking for us. If you're interested, here's the contact information. So um, that was kind of the beginning because now I have two half brothers and I have nieces and nephews. Um, My birth mother died, unfortunately in 1988. And um, so I kind of, there's where we left that part, right? I started to get to my brothers. That was a very long process of who are we to each other. I went to visit them in Minnesota. Um, I got letters and some documents, um, you know, written to my birth mother when she was out in Tucson, you know, different things like that to piece together some information. So there were two potential birth fathers um, and I had full names on both of them, but at that point, again, we don't know anything. And so that kind of brings us up to today, where you can do genealogy testing and everybody's doing, you know, their genetic testing. And I was always curious because I was told that I was English, Irish, Swedish, Norwegian, um, French, and German. And then later, oh, wow. there was some indigenous American in there that my two brothers said that. So I was like, okay. Um, so my one of my brothers encouraged me to actually do my DNA testing recently. And it turns out I have little to no German or French. I am 45% Scandinavian, 40% English or Irish. Indigenous American, and there's like half a percent Coptic Egyptian, um, and 1% Italian, so who knew? (laughs) (laughs) So that's opened up a whole thing, and then for a while, I didn't do anything with trying to connect to relatives, because it was just too much, right? I'm still absorbing this, but I did just recently, a couple weeks ago, I opened that up to relatives, and I think I've figured out some of the paternal line, which has always been a big mystery to me, so, and I think I know my birth father's identity um I at least have a last name that matches one of the two men that I knew about and um but it's still a big mystery and it's still a big um piecing together the different parts doing family trees you know so yeah
0: oh, wow so, go ahead man. oh no go ahead. I was just gonna say that sounds like your story has spanned you know several years too and it's kind of like little pieces of you know, come out throughout the years. Um, did your half siblings know your mom at all? Or was that something where they also just figured out that they were adopted? How did they get connection to
1: her? Oh, my, my adopted family? Mm-hmm. My, yeah, they all knew we all knew growing up. In fact, one of the funny stories I tell about my sister, she was, um, I was four and a half when we adopted her. And I remember going to the agency to pick her up. I remember sitting in the office and walking, you know, walked through the door with the baby. And so later on, I thought we could return her and get a different one because this one really wasn't working out for me. So, turns out it doesn't work that way. We had to keep her, but um, <laughs> we we all knew that. And then um, my sister recently did her DNA testing in the last few years and found siblings, like half siblings, all the way across the country. Um, my brother was never sure about that. He wanted to get some medical information, but I don't think he's done any testing. So we've all had different experiences in terms of how we feel about, you know, connecting with potential family members because it's a it's a big thing. And there's a lot of, you know, you could be rejected or you could find somebody who doesn't or wants to be too much in your life or it, it's very, it's very odd. So, yeah.
0: and Angie and I always joke like, you could get someone amazing, or you could find out that, you you know, have family members who've maybe been in prison or need money. So it's a gamble for sure. And what a, you know, a dichotomy you have your siblings that you've grown up with, but they've all, they have the same experience as you and they're all kind of on different levels of their journey too.
1: Mm -hmm, Definitely. You know, my youngest brother who's biological, um, he you know one time he was looking at genealogy and my adoptive father he always said that he was scottish and irish and welsh and um and i found out i have some scottish in me too and all these years um i love to say things out loud to people like i'm the only one in my family that's swedish and norwegian just to see what would happen (laughs) um so all these years my dad and i would go to the like the celtic festival and he would go after the bagpipers and i would sit down and listen to the irish musicians and i thought well he's scottish and i'm irish Turns out I'm some Scottish too, so that kind of stuff is is interesting to find out when you have a sense of who you already are, and then you find out no, that's not true. <laughs> You're actually something very different than that.
0: I relate to that because you know with my story, like, like we were talking about, um, my husband, is always like I'm one eighth uh, Latino. My grandfather was half Mexican and and from Spain, and I was like, okay. And then when my DNA results came back, I'm like, well, I'm 50% Latino or <laughs> Latina. So
2: game changer. <laughs> you yeah, win. Yeah. So I think, and I can relate to the identity thing too, because I was the oldest for my entire life. And then finding out that I had an older sister, I was like, whoa, where does this like place me in my family now? Like, even though me and my sister were from my parents marriage um it just it still felt really weird wow. um and i was just like i don't i don't even know like my place and you know over the years cuz it's been 5 years since i found out about my sister you know i've kind of just like slowly figured out my place in my family and that i didn't grow up with her so i'm still kind of the older sister, even though she's technically older than me. But yeah, the identity piece. So I have a question about kind of the identity uh-huh. stuff. Um, do you, is that something that you're like still processing? Like, how did you feel when you were going through this process and starting to figure out about like your biological family?
1: You know, it's really... It's been a lot of ups and downs, I would say, throughout the years, because um, I did. I wasn't really able to do anything about it until my 30s when my brother found me. Um, but when I was, I think it was 1988, I had written in my journal that day on my birthday, I wrote something about how I wonder if my birth mother ever thinks about me. We were together on this day somewhere. I never had written anything like that before, and I never did after that, and it found out later from my brother that was the day she died, and so I've always wondered if there's this, well, I do think there's a connection, right, between the child and the mother, you know, you have your own babies and you realize that connection, and so Um, part of what I think is I didn't find my birth family or didn't meet with them in person and start to learn all this until after I had my own child, because then I could really understand her experience and all that she sacrificed and all that she gave up. And she had a very hard time, you know, during the pregnancy. From what I can tell from letters, she was very depressed and it was hard for her. And she moved out here, brought her two young sons. They were seven and eight years older than me. So um, they were out here for a year and then they went back to Minnesota. So understanding as a mother what that would have been like um, how difficult that was for her and so when I left Minnesota the first time I cried all the way from Minneapolis to the Wisconsin border because it was just so much to process everything right Um, it's been really interesting because then now I have more connection with that side of the family I've been back to visit them um, but I didn't know about my birth father and there were two potential birth fathers and one was Kind of famous was on in broadcasting, and so people know the name. And then there was the other guy, and he had a very different kind of history, but they didn't have a lot of information about him. And so I think it's always been something where I'm like, Well, even the father's side would make a difference in how I see myself, right? Is he a musician who came from Ireland? Is he this other guy? You know, I think he's the musician who came from Ireland. I'm still trying to piece that together, but um. Yeah, you wonder. I also, when I was um, finishing my master's, I wrote my thesis on adoption and I interviewed six people who had been adopted as infants and children. And um, I graduated in 2009. So I was finishing my thesis so I could graduate. And then my adoptive father died at the end of 2008. And so I was also processing his loss um, and it was interesting because one of the women that I had interviewed had said that after her adopted father died she felt like she lost her place in the family like she didn't belong there anymore and so I found myself in that same place which is interesting because my, my mother's still alive and you know we have a great relationship but it was he was my connection somehow and then when I lost him um, this is family over here they're biological but I don't know them that well yet and then you know, and it was almost being left without a family. So it's, yeah, it's very, it's been very emotional off and on. So that could be why I put it to the side and then I pick it back up, (laughs) put it to the side. Um, Because yeah, we have to figure it out. My two brothers and I had to come to an agreement. We're going to refer to her as our mom, right? Because they have mom and I have mom and we talk about our mom. And so that's an interesting conversation too, I think.
2: Well, it just kind of shows, like, the power of, of language, right? <laughs> you can use one word or not and how that changes, like, how that's viewed or how that's, like, internalized. Um, so, yeah, it's really, really interesting. And, like, now that I think about it, too, it's funny when I talk to my sister, I'm like, I use our dad because we oh, yeah. have the same dad. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's really interesting. I never thought about it that way. But, yeah, it's definitely emotional. There's a lot of things to process and go through. Yeah, I think, you know,
0: I'm sure, Kaylin, you've experienced this with, like, excitement and curiosity and sadness and grief because there's, you know, the level of not being able to meet them either. So you have this information and yet you're never going to really know them in the way that, you know, others might have known them. Did your... Were your adoptive parents really open to you, finding your biological parents? Were they encouraging of that? Was that something that was hard for them, that that was kind of a desire for you?
1: You know, um, my mother took me to the adoption agency when I was 18 and they were able to release what they called non-identifying information. And so it said, you know, things like your birth mother was five eight, she had brown hair, brown eyes, she was, um, and then your birth father. You know, and the interesting thing, if you think about it, if you're not sure who the father is, um who you're describing may or may not be the person, you know, so you have this information that may be related to you or not. And so um th- that was really interesting. And it kind of helped me understand it. you know, she was a single parent. Um, as I understand, she was working three jobs, she had two boys already. She just couldn't, you know, raise me at that point. And so um, that kind of helped solve that mystery right it was just like okay now I know why I was adopted and then again my adopted parents were my parents so I was never seeking this you know what who are my parents where do I come from but I am interested because I've gone to all these different countries now and I was like does this resonate with me does this resonate and I would be in classes or something where people would be tracing their ancestry back and I'd be like well, mine goes about this far and then it's done because I have no idea. And now to have DNA results that I can trace people back to the Civil War and everyone I tell, I'm like, I have ancestors. And they're like, yeah, we've always had ancestors. Like they're not that interested if they've known their whole life. And I'm like, but don't you get it? I came from somewhere. So, yeah. So one of the things
0: as you were talking about that um when you met your biological half brothers were there things that you noticed were similar do you look a lot alike do you have like the same interests or mannerisms because ang has some like interesting things as far as you know she met her sister and they knew some of the same people did you guys discover wow. anything interesting around that
1: You know, um, and something you said earlier was interesting, too, that you always were the oldest, as I was in my adoptive family, and now you were a younger sibling. So my two brothers were seven and eight years older, and my oldest brother looked for me because he wanted to make sure I was okay. And so that sort of thing where all of a sudden I have a big brother who might have, like, beat somebody else up on my behalf when we were in high school. Like, (laughs) I had to do it all for my siblings. And so that piece was interesting, but... You know, when I met my older brother the first week, um, we found we had a very similar sense of humor, which I thought was interesting. And we could sort of finish each other's sentences. But, you know, he's a very inward looking kind of person. And I think I am, too. So it's been harder for us to keep a connection. My younger brother decided... Hey, you know what? We're you're my sister, and I'm going to look out for you, and we're going to we're going to stay connected. And so he makes the effort to really reach out and stay in contact with me. And so um it's interesting. They're from Minneapolis. My adoptive family's from Peoria, Illinois. And so I said, no matter how you slice it, I'm Midwestern, right? <laughs> I grew up eating Midwestern food and using the, the words the same way and things like that. And so. Um, I recognize the people in Minnesota because it's very similar to the way I grew up just, um, you know, in my family. And so um, I was interested when I was doing my thesis on nature versus nurture, like how much of this is, you know, do you come with and how much of it, you know, is is your environment? And a thing I found that I really liked was you are born with it, but uh, the nurture part will turn the dial up or down. And so, you know, sort of more of this, less of this gives you a little bit different outcome. So um, no matter what, I had to be a Midwesterner. So yeah, I'm exactly the same as everybody. It's like, (laughs) oh, I know you people. I recognize you.
2: That's so funny and interesting too, because I think about my sister and her birth mom and then our dad, they're both Portuguese. And then my mom and my dad, obviously, (laughs) are both Portuguese. And so it's weird because biologically we have, like we're 100% Portuguese, but she didn't grow up around the culture or anything. Um, she grew up with a Jewish family, like an upstate, like not upstate, the Upper East side of this New York City. Um, so just had like a different upbringing, but it's, she loves to play soccer and she plays twice a week till this day. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> um <laughs> But when we all met and then she found out that my dad like played soccer when he was younger and like we're just a big soccer family, she was like, now I know why I've loved soccer my whole life. She's like, it's because I'm Portuguese. So it's just it's just interesting when you mentioned that like nature versus nurture and how like it's in you, but you know, the nurture part kind of dials up or down. I never thought about it that way. So it was like interesting to kind of put those two things together.
0: So you mentioned earlier, Galen, that you have a funny story, and that's usually one of the things that Ange and I like to hear, you know, because this topic can be super heavy and mm-hmm. emotional and uh, just a lot, but there are funny stories that I think Ange and I have experienced. My My mom always had me watch this movie when I was younger about like a mexican janitor that ran away with this like white woman and it was like her favorite movie and then when i was in my 30s i'm like oh i think that that's why my mom loved that movie because it's (laughs) like she's reliving her past with my dad so do you have anything funny or comical that you've kind of walked through with this journey
1: well so again my youngest brother i was 10 when he was born and you know, my parents have been told for the 16 years they were married, that they they couldn't have children. And so the, the family joke was, you know, my dad was like, I'll never buy her flowers for her birthday again, kind of thing But you know, he obviously told us that when we were older. But so my younger brother was, um, and again, I, I was so bonded to that kid, I was 10, and I was ready to be, you know, his second mom, and I took him places, I read him books, and um, so I was very close to him and we're still pretty close and so um, but at some point in his life he got to this age where he said well I'm real and you're not and I said well you know what mom and dad had to keep you and they wanted us <laughs> and that's so that just shut him right down and we tried that nonsense again so yeah nice <laughs> yeah. try that's, <laughs> that's so funny, funny. yeah But, you know, when I I was interviewing people about um, families that had biological children and um, I mean, those stories are really interesting. And Kind of talk about the heaviness. And I had two men that were both of the same era, 60s, but one was from um, England and one was from Southern California. And so in England, um, first of all, he said, I always thought I was Irish. Because I knew he was adopted, and I I knew I was Irish, and since then he's found his birth family, and his, uh, my best friend is actually his birth cousin, and so he found his family, but he just, I'm not English, I'm Irish, and he went and found them, but he also talked about the shame, the second-class citizen, how he was treated. Um, Cause he had a biological brother who was, you know, the good child and he wasn't, and it was very hard for him, you know, and then you talk to people from Southern California and they're like, yeah, "It was no big deal. You know, I've always known or whatever, but I had another person I interviewed that um, she um, told her parents, I don't know how old she was, but she came out as gay and this is the love of my life and I'm going to marry her. And they said, well, we're disowning you and by the way, you're adopted, and so, I mean, oh, it was cool. really, so she had no idea all those years, and she was one of the people who had illegitimate stamped on her birth certificate, which was a practice at one point, wow. and so, um, but her response to that later was, thank goodness, I'm not biologically related to those people, so um, I just, there's a lot of, I think there is some heaviness, but there's also some humor with it, you know, like, you know, I'm not Scottish I don't need to listen to the bagpipers oh guess what I am <laughs> Sorry, <Dad. laughs> wherever you are <laughs> I'm Scottish now <laughs> that's funny
2: yeah I think it's really important to kind of find the little funny moments along the way because it kind of <clears throat> makes it a little bit lighter um, and easier to kind of deal with um, as you're kind of processing and going
1: through that I think it is different for people who like me who've always known you're adopted so you kind of know what you're dealing with but then you know stories where you find out late in life everything you thought was true is not true that's I think different I think that's a lot different um I mean I'm dealing with things I'm sort of aware of if I'm looking for a a relative they may or may not want to be part of my life or um you know I kind of know what I'm going into but if you know, it's the other way where you have no idea and then you find out.
2: Yeah, I think that makes a huge difference. And how cool that your parents, your adoptive parents knew to kind of be open about that from the beginning Mm -hmm. um, versus kind of keeping that a secret because I feel like um, that generation, like, didn't talk about things and kept things pretty, like, hush-hush. And that's just from my own experience with, like, my dad and kind of even though he won't say it like he held probably a lot of shame um his entire life with that knowing that she was out there somewhere and never talked to anyone about it like siblings my grandparents didn't know never talked to us about it so um you know that shock of like oh my gosh I'm like 35 years old and 34 years old and I'm just now finding out that I have this this long lost sister that's been really close in proximity um Mm -hmm. without me knowing and so it was just really interesting um just with that but I know with like that generation you know typically things weren't talked about that you're kind of swept under the rug or I'm just gonna take this to my grave kind of thing and nobody will ever find out so um props to your parents Mm -hmm. um for being so open and and maybe not knowing the importance at that time but the importance of making sure that they talk to you about it and know that you're loved and you're special because i think that's super important um that some people don't even get from like their biological parents so um yeah just wanted to kind of highlight that
1: so this is what i think is interesting you know when i was doing um, my thesis, first of all, it's hard to find good, solid research on adoption. I could get a lot of historical trends. Um, things like infant adoption wasn't the thing until they developed infant formula. I would have never thought of that. Right. And then there was this huge shift at the beginning. It was adults and you were adopting adults like we're talking 500 BC to carry on family name or inherit wealth or whatever. Um, there was a lot of times you adopted someone to be like help around the household, you know, there was a whole thing with the orphan trains where they were picking up kids and taking them across the, you know, Midwest and basically just adopting them out. Um, Sometimes they still have families, by the way, which is kind of scary. Um, But, you know, there was a lot of this thing where no one really thought about the child probably until the mid, you know, 1900s, somewhere they started thinking this might have some impact on the child before it was sort of, what does the adopter need? And so here, here now is the child, but there was still this belief when I was adopted that children were just blank slates. In fact, the book that I had said that it said, you know, the baby will not know who you are. It's, you know, it's just laying in this crib. It will know you as its mother. And so it was very much like, doesn't matter where you came from, you're fine now, but there was still that stigma. Like if a child was illegitimate, you know, things like that, is there going to be something wrong with this child? So, there was that I think that was part of the shame part of it, you know, a lot of people getting pregnant out of marriage outside of marriage, um things like that. And so it's interesting, even though those things happened, everyone acted like it wasn't happening. And it wasn't until we kind of had a shift in the way we started thinking about all of those things that you started seeing open adoptions. You started thinking, um talking about the triad members, right? the birth mother, the birth aunt, or the adoptive family and the child. And then you had more of that you can stay connected to people. But that didn't happen until fairly recently. And then once there was the internet and everybody could just chat about everything all the time, um, that kind of opened it up. But then it opens it up to a lot of stuff where there used to be research and now there's just a lot of opinion and blog posts and things like that. So it was hard to find anything that was good, solid research about like lifelong implications. Of adoption, which was what I was thinking about. And now there's this whole thing where we're finding out we have genetic relatives we never knew about. Um, And what does that mean when it's later in life? What does it mean for them? What does it mean for you? I was really thinking, what defines family? Um, You know, because you're like, oh, they're my family. Well, I don't see them on Christmas. So what does that mean now? You know, so I think it's a very interesting time because it's open to talk about, but I still don't think we know what it's going to mean in the long term for people.
0: That's such a great point, Kaylin, because we talk about, you know, well, definitely people who, like Angie's dad, who thought this was never going to come out, and then 23andMe and, you know, all the DNA testing that you can do, I think a lot of people thought they were going to go to their grave and not have to deal with some of these conversations, and so it does you know a lot of things have been opened up because of that but I also think I, I don't I do you feel like the stigma of adoption has you know dissipated over the years do you feel like it's something where we're shifting in how we do talk about that because you talked about you know the way that they messaged to you you know we've chose you do you feel like that that looks different now
1: You know, I do think it is because people are able to have the conversations. And obviously we see family compositions that are everything, you know, I was a single parent and at one point that wouldn't have been, you know as accepted as it is now and grandparents raising children. And um, I do think it is, but I I think there's still, I think there's still this idea like, well, you have a great adoptive family, you're fine. And for me, part of that was being told my whole life I was special and still feeling this, but I'm different. I'm in some way different. And I don't, I have that need to know. Not everybody who's adopted doctor does. Some people are like, I'm fine. I don't care. A couple of people I interviewed was like, I'm fine. Um, but I was curious, like, do you have, um, a sense of abandonment do you have you know all these different things you might be experiencing so I think that even if it's you can talk about it I'm really glad you guys are doing this because I don't think it's a something everyone's experienced and they don't know all those internal things that go on with it right so um you know one of the reasons I didn't look further from my birth father even though we thought we kind of knew who it was way back my brothers and I um, was I thought, to what end? Do I have the right to upend his life? He's in his 80s now. He's still alive kind of thing. And um, and what about his children? Do I have the right to upend their life? And again, I'm coming from an era where they might not even know I exist. And all of a sudden, I'm like, hello, <laughs> it's me. Um, and I still, it's so interesting, genetically and tracing lines and family trees, I can find pretty sure the birth grandparents, but none of the children they had listed had the same name as the father name that I have. The last name is the same, but there's no first name that's the same. And so I'm like, I still don't know who my birth father is for sure. Um, but you know, you're doing math and you're looking at, you know, obituaries. There's just so much to it, but I'm thinking, is this my family? All these people listed, all these grandchildren listed and do I have a right to get into their life right now? What if they don't know about me or don't want to know about me? Um, So yeah, there's some ethical pieces to it, I think also. Oh, long answer. Sorry.
0: (laughs) No, that was perfect. And you made me think of something too, because I kind of went through that and and it it turned out great, right? Like I'm lucky I reached out to family and 90% of them have been super open, but I felt very guilty. Like I'm going to be like, hi, I'm, you know, I think I'm your sibling and possibly your, your dad and my dad, you know, he might've been married and you didn't know about me. And so, um, some people have asked me, you know, why don't you ask your mom about this? Why haven't you had a conversation? And I, I'm guessing she had shame and I kind of feel like that's not my, you know, I don't need to disrupt you know, her feelings around that. And I feel like I, I can get everything I need without having to upset her. And, you know, I think that that's an interesting journey that not everyone would understand. There's almost like two pieces. You're holding like your curiosity, but you're, you know, as you're such a caring person, Galen. You're like, I don't want to disrupt other people because that would be a lot for me too. So
1: one of the reasons I opened up the genetic thing to potential relatives I I didn't do that at first but um, my youngest son and I are going to Sweden Norway this summer and I was joking like hey maybe I'll find a cousin to stay with or something like that (laughs) oh I think that's what
0: you were mentioning maybe that was the conversation we were having around how how you had talked about your journey and I was like oh Haylin has a story
1: well, and there's, you know, there's a couple of fourth cousins in Oslo, but I don't think that's a close enough relationship for me to knock on the door and say, hi, guess what? Um, but, you know, it's it's just interesting. It's really interesting to see. Um, all growing up, it was, you know, your relatives are from Illinois and Missouri and somewhere over here in Minnesota. And, and then at some point I said, well, I can choose which relatives I want because I'm not technically related to them. So I've kind of taken the first, you know, generation around me and said, "Okay, I'll I'll take those as my family." But then, so it's an interesting thing too, where you can pick and choose your family. Um, and so I don't, I think we're gonna all find out we're all related to each other. I'm still waiting for someone <laughs> to come up and say you're my cousin, really. Um, one of my first cousins um, is in Phoenix. She's a generation older than me but she's the first cousin. She's the only one that showed up in the DNA results. And it was because of her that I was able to find out my great-great-grandparents' last name uh-huh. and I could trace it down that way. And so, um, again, she's in her 90s. I'm not going to show up at her door and say, hi, guess what? I'm, I'm the child no one knew about from way back when. So, yeah. So I guess there's a lot you can do now with the genetics that doesn't necessarily impact other people because the people who are on 23 Mayor Ancestry are also looking and so that's mm-hmm. one of, is the bare space to enter
2: mm-hmm. that's true that's a good point really good point point. and this kind of just popped into my head but <clears throat> we know each other from like our professional lives and it just the connection of like the work that we do and then these experiences that we've had without even really knowing that we all had <laughs> you know, similar experiences, and then we're all in this world of, like, children and families and education, um, so it's just kind of interesting, like, hmm, I mean, that's probably another, like, path to go down at some point, but, um, if there's a connection there, and like, why, why did we choose this path in life? Um, so, interesting, interesting things, maybe we can explore that later.
1: (laughs) And we could have a whole conversation about attachment and bonding and totally know, that all mean. and and um, I was uh, I was born August. I wasn't adopted until five weeks later. And I've often wondered, where was I, who was paying attention to me? Was anyone holding me? Was anyone talking to me? I've heard a story that there was a woman who loved to dress up the babies and take them to church. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, so, you know, yeah. What, what is that child's experience? And again, at one point, no one thought about that. You were not, you weren't even in there yet. And we all know that isn't true. So, um, the other thought I've had related to that is what happens to the child prenatally when the mother is under the stress, knowing she has an unplanned or unwanted pregnancy and is carrying grief or whatever around that. I mean, adoption is not, um, oh, yay, I get to give a child for adoption. It's not that kind of experience for the mother. And so that was one of the things that really triggered my desire to look at this through the research is what happens to that child prenatally. And then there's that separation. Um, We all know there's a lot that goes on prenatally. And so Mm -hmm. this idea that it doesn't matter as long as you place the child in a happy home, um, I don't think that's true but uh, it's hard to find really a lot of research around that yet.
0: That's a good point. I would love to dig into that more too. It'd be really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I, I have one last question before we wrap up. If you were going to give advice, Elin, to someone who maybe has just kind of gotten information about their birth family, what would you tell them what tips or tricks or things would you say do this don't do this or you know walk in this direction
1: you know I think it's really important to be thoughtful about why you're doing it because you are going to impact other people again people who may not know uh, about you or may not know the family history and we do have people still who are going to take things to their grave and they're not going to be super chatty about the circumstances and so For me, I think that's the biggest piece is really be clear on why you're doing it. And is there a way you can satisfy either your own curiosity that's less intrusive to others or, um, you know, it's for me, it's been fascinating to build a family tree. Now, you know, with the way things are built and connected, like all these clickable links, you can just say, here's a hint. Do you think this person belongs to you? And you're like, I think so. Let's put it in there and see. And all of a sudden, like, yeah, they belong to you, same family tree, and then someone will have pictures. Like, I have a picture of my grandma, great grandmother um, when she was, like, six years old because someone else posted that information. And so, again, I do think with the internet and all the ways we can connect that way, we can get a lot of information without talking to real people that may or may not want to hear from us. So that would be the thing for me is I think you can do, you can spend hours, honestly, (laughs) I've spent many hours down the genealogical rabbit hole trying to piece things together in a way that you could have only done it through talking to people in the past. Mm-hmm. Now you can say, let's look up the records for Ireland from 18, you know, 95," And that isn't involving other people who may or may not want to be part of that conversation. So,
2: Yeah. And just, <clears throat> I think, realizing that there's going to be rejection probably along the way mm-hmm. um, and how you'll be able to handle that or process through that or just be aware that that's a possibility too. So,
1: I think the other thing too is to just not go in with an expectation because I think a lot of times Mm -hmm. people will think, well, I'll find my real family or whatever. If their adoptive family maybe wasn't the happiest, like the man I interviewed from England Um, and he had a great outcome and he probably knows more about the family history than my best friend does. Um, But, you know, I interviewed one man, he met his birth mother and he said, well, she's nice, but she's not my mother. We have a beer every once in a while. He didn't feel the connection. And I think sometimes people think they're going to have this connection the same way we do when we're we're pregnant. We're going to see the child. We're going to know this child. We're going to immediately bond with this child. And I remember looking at my first child going, who are you? And why are you yelling at me? (laughs) We bonded later, very soon after that. But at the time I was like, you're a stranger to me. And I have this, you know, romantic expectation, I guess. And so I think with adoption, it can be the same or, you know, genetics could be the same. You have this idea that you're going to embrace, you're going to feel this connection, you're going to share all these traits. And um, I don't think you should have, you know, just keep it, (laughs) keep your expectations. Like, I don't know what will happen here. Like you said, someone might say. I don't want you to contact me again. And that could be very hurtful, you know. Um, That's great advice.
2: Very, very good advice. Thank you, Galen. I feel
0: like this conversation has made me think about a whole bunch of other things. And maybe I also want to do more DNA research too, but I so appreciate everything you've shared. And this has just been a great journey. I feel
1: like I've learned so much more about you too. I know this time we just talk work and then we know more important things about each other. So I really appreciate you guys inviting me. This has been very interesting. And like you said, kind of creating a community. Um, Our experience is unique and not everyone goes through this experience. And so I think it is important to have, you know, other people you can talk to about this. So I appreciate it thank you all
2: thanks Galen this is awesome well we like to end our podcast with a funny little tagline um, just to add some more humor um, to the journey um, so we like to say if you cannot get rid of the family skeleton you may as well make it dance <laughs> I like that I love it well
0: thanks Galen and thank you for everyone else tuning in today.